You don't have to pitch a complete game. Do what you do and turn it over to the next two great bullpen arms that Francona has. Gregorius with a drive to right field and gone! Glorious! No, I won't give in, I won't give in till I'm victorious. And I will defend, I will defend. Sir Didi's second of the postseason. Gregorius again! He got it for the second time! Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 7.5 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast for Wednesday, October 18th, 2017. On today's show, we've got our TLC Go Home show and a ton more, but before we dive in, it's my obligation to tell you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world, talking creative, the business aspects of professional wrestling, and of course, giving our unsolicited opinions. You can contact the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks, drop us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. Joined alongside my Huckleberry, RBV. Rick, there's so much news and stuff going on that we're going to try to do three shows this week. Let's start off part one the way that Jersey Mike loves so much. Rick, welcome to your show. It's me, it's me. 
It's an RBV, Rick Vickery. Ready to go a little raw dog on TLC. And by TLC, I mean total lack of creative. A freaking men to that. A freaking men to that. Originally, we said that we were just going to do an episode on Thursday this week. There's been so much going on that we decided, let's go ahead and cut the Raw episode, and then Thursday we'll cut the SmackDown episode, Saturday we'll cut the Around the Pool edition. So that's kind of the game plan going forward for you listeners at home. Rick, what do you say we talk a little bit of Monday Night Raw? I'm ready to jump in. You know, before that, though, I'm, I'm kind of I'm going to be interested to see how this new format you know, kind of plays out, see what kind of reaction. So as you're listening through here, we get any kind of feedback from, from our great listeners out there, we would be... Uh, We'd really appreciate that, I'm sure. As always, how would you uh, rate Raw 1 to 10? Hmm. I know, it's a rough one. There's, there's some good in there. Uh, and an obvious, I wouldn't necessarily say there was so much bad. There was, there was a lot of ups, uh, a lot of positives to take away from it. But everything was so rushed. You know, going into to last night's show, there was only four, maybe five, I, I think it was four off the top of my head, but I, four or five matches only announced. Uh, for this upcoming event, which you know we're just days away from, and only one program's really had a lot of attention, so they had to get they had to get a lot in in these in these final three hours. You know, we, I'm going to say I'm I'm going to go ahead and give them a, a six and a half for the for the effort and the entertainment aspect of some things that they had going on. I I think we're we're pretty much right in line there. I think we're pretty much right in line. I'd probably give it that six to six and a half. I mean, the Shield reunion was cool, even though you and I don't necessarily agree with it. See, that was one of the down parts for me, that nothing really moved me about the, that Shield reunion last night. I, I didn't pop in any which way for for their entrance. I thought it, that should have came last week or possibly saved that for a bigger moment at the upcoming event. I, I understand where they want to get that hype. I just, I guess I would have had really rather seen that entrance last week. See, and I didn't expect that entrance until Sunday. And it, and it got a, it, it got a reaction from, from the live audience. They were, Oh, the place popped. I mean, there's no question. The place popped. Uh, My thing that I thought was so interesting about the shield reunion was it felt like you were watching a tag team in a singles in the ring. And I've never gotten that feeling from the Shield before. Like Ambrose and Rollins just feel like they belong together, and then there's Roman. It doesn't feel like a trio. Well, yeah, they've, they've always they've always they've always been that co- cohesive unit. But now we are clearly seeing that there is a divide, that there is one standout superstar amongst amongst the group. So they come out in their full Shield gear, full Shield entrance through the crowd. Something that we haven't seen in three and a half years, as they put over on commentary God knows how many times last night. They surround Kurt Angle in the ring, and then when they get in the ring, the crowd starts chanting, this is awesome. Why? Because they got in the ring? Right. You know, it's just an entrance. They haven't done anything yet. It's not like it's the first time that you're seeing them back together. That big deal happened last week. You know, what I really took away from it is you've got the, the opening where they're going through the shield. And Angle's sitting there talking over the damn thing. I know. You missed, like, the first three call letters. And so did the live crowd. I, I think they were on L before the live crowd figured out what in the hell yeah. is going on. 
Yeah, they had some bad timing going yeah, on. Yeah, that there. was terrible timing. I, that plop would have been even bigger than what it was, but kind of screwed but the think, pooch on that one. I think you restructure that entire that entire segment there where you don't even have Angle out there at that time. Well, what was the purpose of Angle being out there? I'm just going to guess it was mainly to set off set off the show, let people kind of adjust for a moment. I, you think there would be just that you can get that live crowd ready with like a countdown, and they're kind of waiting, all right, what's going to happen, what's going to happen? And then you hit with the shield. I'm supporting my narrative that the shield are heels and Braun Strowman is the baby face inside of this program. Well, yeah, and that's what, you know, their little standoff with Kurt that they're going to try to, you know. Yeah, they surround the ring on their, Kurt Angle. You know, kind of show their muscle to him. Yeah, what was the point of that? And then he hands Roman the mic and wrote, that was a good choice, Kurt. Well, who the fuck are you, man? You're supposed to be the lead babyface. Why are you talking shit to the babyface general manager? And then even Seth is like, whoa, 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 big dog. So well, what the fuck is going how, on here? Yeah, and, and we're going to see a little bit this later in the show. And it's been the way that they, the creative has just handled Kurt Angle. I never really got the impression that anyone takes him serious in that general manager role. It was nice to see that he had a little bit of a backbone this week. We'll get into that here in a couple of minutes. Uh, I did notice that we cheer the Shield. We cheer Rollins and Ambrose. But we still boo Roman Reigns. Is is this working at all for Roman? That's what they're doing here. They're trying to... They're hoping that eventually that rub just sticks there where people just once again become so used to deciding with him. Number one, don't be a dick. Although I did think it was kind of funny that the crowd was hitting him with what chance. Immediately, Dean Ambrose seems cooler. I don't know what it is, but him putting on the shield gimmick, it's like he's got his swagger back to him. He's not He's not Psycho Dean anymore. He's... I'm going to fuck you up, Dean Ambrose. Yeah, that, and that's what made him. Though he's no longer that, where he still had that hangover from from when his authority days, you know, where he needed them, you know, in his chicken shit ways to get around everything. You know, he's back to who he is. He, like I said, he's got his swagger back. No, not Seth. Dean. Oh. Mr. Okay. Lunatic I, I, French. I kinda, I, well, I was just going to say I kind of got it from both of them. Yeah, I mean, I got I got it a bit from Seth too. Yeah, he's he definitely was back to that villainous scumball Seth Rollins persona. Swagger to him, and I don't think he was that he was so villainous. You could tell when he took that mic from Roman and and shut that down. He was, you know, he kind of went back to his role, like, whoa, 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 let me handle this. I'm the one that's the I'm the architect. Here. I'm the brains yes. of the operation. And then all the while, you've kind of got Ambrose, kind of just stalking around in the in the background there with a little bit of that maniac feel to him again yeah i really liked what ambrose did last night i mean i'm the first person to shit talk dean ambrose because i haven't enjoyed ambrose in years i think he's one of the worst wwe champions of all time but he was really good last night credit where credit's due in that moment he was now later on in that match i i thought that was one of his sloppier matches that i've seen in a long time and he and he's just been getting his work is his work's been getting shit just, on by the IWC just, for a while though. Well, it's just been going downhill for so long. It's almost like he he just doesn't really care to to give it his all out there. He's he's got Nakamura syndrome. 
you know, like Dean spent so long in CZW and doing crazy shit to his body that now it's like he's at a retirement home. He can go out there. He does the same three, four spots. He's, he's just on cruise control. There's necessarily anything wrong with that. Shinsuke is the same way. That's the big rip on Shinsuke backstage that he's just not bringing those five-star performances. Well, no, he's not going to bring a five-star performance 255 days out of the year. You're going to get it three times a year. Well, if that, I mean, if they even give him someone to work with in that case. You well, know? yeah, I mean, that's that's the problem there. But Or not just not just someone, but something. Right, right. And Ambrose has kind of been that same way. I mean, really, since that match with Lesnar at WrestleMania, Ambrose has kind of been on that downhill trend. Well, you know, you know the individuals that we everyone compares him to, especially in, um, in Piper and Pillman, you know, essentially all, you know, what he's become is... He's got that look, and you can tell he's got that edge where he could beat him, but then they mix in Santino elements where he's just so G, you know, it's, it's G-rated, and he's so cheesy about everything that it's not going to, they just don't work together. The only other thing I really didn't like about this segment, while I understand it, was the baby faces calling out the heels, if that's what they want us to believe. Why, why would the shield be calling out the four of them? That just seems stupid. Don't make the baby faces look stupid. Don't understand. Well, there's a, there's a lot of book. There's a lot of things going on in this entire storyline where I, I feel that, you know, instead of just making the babies look stupid, that they're not even respecting, you know, the fans. Or how you know how knowledgeable they are, or what they're going to realize is going on here. I mean, this entire program—it's it, making very little sense to me right now. The other thing I did pick up on was when Seth started talking last night, and he had that ex-girlfriend sound to him about how you know this used to be awesome, and then something happened, and Roman whipped his head around, just like, "Are we doing this again?" There, there's a little bit of mistrust there between the. Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. When I, you know, this has come together so. Well, they've never so had that moment to, like Seth and Dean did. Well, I'm saying this. This is. This has happened so fast. They haven't had that moment there to add any. To have any you know, disbelief that the Shield is going to be able to reunite together. I mean, going in right now, you had that just that little moment there, but there's nothing else that they've done in in building this program that makes me believe that this is anything that this entire program has become nothing more than filling the Roman Reigns agenda. Make Roman look strong. That's the agenda. Completely lost me here. You go on back a little bit. I, I know both. we were against this happening now because yep. we've, we've each been on record as saying it. We had they, had the foresight to even push this reunion into mid or late 2018, they could have had a much bigger payday. Oh, absolutely. I, I feel like the the ball has been dropped on this thing terribly. Well, and you know, even at that point, all right, they're, they're moving forward with it. It's happening. They need something to go on here. Apparently, you know, they want to try to give Roman some sort of rub here. So they're going to move forward, and it'll look like the Shield versus the Miz and the Mizraj, which was just mind-boggling itself because two of those guys have zero, absolutely zero business taking on the shield. 
And the Miz doesn't have any in-ring credibility. Yeah, you got a cowardly heel and two jobbers. So then, then they go in that direction there where they add the bar. Okay, I'm, I'm buying this a little bit more. Cesar and Sheamus can go out there and hang. They're going to put on a great performance. Then it just completely lost me when they lumped Braun into this entire situation. It almost feels like they're throwing so much shit on the plate that you're not even interested in the main course anymore. Well, that's what we got going on here. And I, I can I can understand how they can rationalize the beef between Braun and all the Shield members. But Strowman's character, he doesn't need to be a part of this right now. They're simply, simply, you're saying here, simply being tossed into the main event of a B-level pay-per-view where the match is also featuring now eight talents. It's doing nothing to keep his hot momentum going. Well, and let's move on as well to Miz TV here. I feel like they're humanizing Braun Strowman, and I don't like that at all. Let Braun be a monster. I don't want Braun in the ring cutting 15-minute promos and coming out with groups of people. And I don't want to see an interview with Braun Strowman unless he's in a meat locker eating a raw T-bone. In his interaction with them last night, it should have been a very brief backstage segment somewhere where he lays it out that way. Hey, I agreed to help you, but this is, this is, my, this is my personal beef with them. My agenda is to destroy them myself. You guys are just there. Braun has a real charisma to him, and I didn't think that the promo itself was bad. I just I want to hear Braun Strowman make grunting sounds at this point. I mean, let's look at Kane, for God's sake. I mean, Kane didn't even speak for how freaking long? And it worked for him. I feel like that's what we should be doing with Braun Strowman. I don't care if he can stand in the ring and cut a great fucking promo. I want caveman Braun Strowman right now. The Braun Strowman I saw last night is the Braun Strowman I want to see in like six years. Completely agree, brother. I, I, I just, they're going completely about this. They're just trying to speed things up so fast on everyone. And uh, they just don't have any foresight to see what's really awaiting them down the road. So you want to go go on to the like our main event here, where well, where this thing really took a turn? Or? Well, there's one other thing that I read that I wanted to bring up, and I'm just not really sure where it fits in inside of this show. So I get well. Let's do it this way. Let's talk about the tag match. So they do Ambrose and Rollins last night versus Sheamus and Cesaro, and then later in the show they do Braun and Roman in a cage. Like, do they even care if anybody subscribes to the network to watch TLC? I mean, they just gave us basically the main event last night. Minus what they would do at the end of the show. Well, I think that, you know, everything they set up there just pretty much told, even at the end of the show, which we'll jump in here, that gave away everything that we're pretty much going to see, see on Sunday in that main event. Well, and now there's rumors already that Ambrose is going to turn heel. Why well, would, this, why this would you do that right that now? This might be a one-off. This, and this, and this can't be a one-off. Can it? They can't I, I, do I don't, that. I don't think it can, but I don't see how. I haven't really seen much on the Ambrose heel turn. I've seen it rumored, but I just I can't understand for the life of me why you would do that right now. 
Was it any? Was it? Was it a credible source in any way? I think it was, was it from the Observer. I think it was from Meltzer himself. You know, again, I think it goes back to you know one of our earliest episodes that you were talking about. Seth and Dean, there's a lot of there's a lot of life in them as a team. There's a lot of money to be had. Absolutely, term, they're getting over. Not, and those and those two don't need to break up again until later in eighteen. Maybe that goes in for a hot SummerSlam program for you. Man, I would just milk that as until the fans are just dying for them to turn on each other, and then do yeah, it just so, out so of they nowhere, can take their work and then just do it out of nowhere. Just doesn't make any sense to me to split this up again right now, especially when Seth and Dean are getting pretty decent reactions. We, yeah, that that'll be a, a total shocker for me because and. Not that it's one of those, like, ah, shocking moments. It'll be one of those what-the-fuck shocking moments. Well, I had both an ah and a what-the-fuck shocking moment last night. And it was the aforementioned return of Kane. I didn't see this one coming. Did you see this one coming? I don't think anyone. I think this was a, this was a great swerve on their behalf. And, I, you know, just personally, I, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised to see Kane but then I immediately began thinking, why? Why do they? Why do they feel the need to add Kane, or, or for that matter, anyone else to this match? I'm curious what the explanation is for Kane even being there. I think there's some tie togethers. You're looking at a damn near anniversary of the debut of the of the Kane character. I I jokingly made a, a comment last night in a live discussion when he came out and I'd seen this to try to tie everything together when's the Undertaker going to be back to give me Kane, Braun and the Undertaker versus the Shield it was a pretty awesome sight seeing Kane and Braun Strowman next to each other and that and that was kind of that monster feeling that, you, that you're sitting there talking about that you wanted from him, it was, you saw two badass monsters in there I did see, as I was going through comments last night and just kind of reading what opinions were, a lot of, why Kane, why? Is it not obvious why Kane is doing this? I mean, Roman's been shit-talking his brother for the last six goddamn months. I mean, the question should be, what in the hell took you so long? I, 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 people that aren't understanding why Kane is a part of this Hell, I understand why Kane's a part of it. I don't understand why The Miz is a part of it. Well, it all just came down to, you know, Miz is trying to present himself as the top champ because he's actually present every week. And then there was, and he, he actually didn't go out looking for this, but it was because the babies came talking shit to him. One thing that we've been railing on basically since we started this podcast is the commentary. And this was a great example of how commentary fucks up a show when you have monster Braun Strowman and monster Kane beating up on your lead babyface Roman Reigns where's the outrage from the commentary Michael Cole should be screaming for somebody to get out here and help this isn't right look at what they're doing to Roman well your problem here is they don't even know their own roles in that commentary in a commentating booth yeah, I noticed way early in the show this week, Booker T likes Jason Jordan. I mean, that guy flip-flops 
more throughout one match than a regular commentator should in a year. And then who is supposed to play the role of I don't, your knowledgeable smartass in Corey Graves? You know, he should be the one that wants to walk with Elias. And then you have Cole, who's supposed to be that pro good guy, play-by-play man, cheering him on. Yep, they don't even know what they're doing anymore. They don't even know what they're doing anymore. Me, I'm still, you know, why? Why? Instead of why is he there, though, creatively, why do we need to have a five-on-three? I know what the answer is. You either make Roman look strong or you give him a built-in excuse. That's what I'm saying, it, and, it's, and it's bullshit. You know, even if they toss the audience a swerve, which I highly doubt that's going to happen, and the Shield does take the loss, but I highly doubt that, the agenda is to fur- further that over these over-exaggerated abilities of Roman Reigns. This match is going to be presented as Ambrose and Rollins can fend off the bar, while Roman has to take on all these odds of, of surviving against, you know, one cunning scam artist and two mega monsters. I, I have a feeling I know how this match is going down, and I don't think it's going to be good. Including the return of Kane. You know what else sucks with the return of Kane? No return of Kane pyro. Kane's not nearly as cool without the pyro. It, it really didn't have, it did not have the same effect, did it, in that match? It, that... And I wonder if Kane had a hard time getting the trap door open or something. Because it was like his, it went forever before he finally showed up. And then those guys are still trying to, you know, they're sitting there trying to sell some moves and keep fighting through, like, okay, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. And then you finally so the arena is burp. red and Kane's music is playing and, well, there's no Kane, so I guess I'm going to keep kicking the shit out. Oh, there's Kane! When I even think the, the lack of the pyros and all that, it threw the, the audience a curve. Yeah, because you wait for that big pyro moment. Kane and Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar's entrance isn't the same without pyro either. And you think in a case like that that they would they would budget for this just those special occasions for those moments that you truly need something along those lines. Maybe they just didn't do it because of the cage. Because I mean most of the time Kane's pyro comes up out of the ring post. So maybe they didn't do it because of the cage or the LED ring posts or I mean I can think of any millions of reasons not to do it. Watch, I could be wrong here, but I believe the LEDs were not on uh, the ring post last night. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I don't think they were there because a couple when in back in the tag championship match, Cesaro went over to a spot there, and it was where they even mentioned that that's where he busted his mouth. Oh yeah. And I'm pretty sure, I am almost positive they were not there. Hmm. I'm actually watching Raw in the background, but I'm in a commercial break. I'm going to fast forward here. And I believe you are right. I do not see LEDs on the ring tonight. There we are. Interesting. See? Interesting. Good catch. Now I wonder if that has to go with the cage as well. That very well could be. I'm not exactly sure how that cage attaches no, to I, the ring. I actually, I actually, I actually believe that. That's to be true. I think when, uh, whenever they have a cage, kind of a fixture in there, like they do with that tight cage, that they that they do remove those. 
That's a good catch. Anything else that you want to say about the Shield reunion? No, we can move on. I, I just... I mean, this is a one-match show. Is, is this one match going to do it for you? They, they have put all their eggs in this basket. And the thing that pisses me off about it, man, it's not like they just had to throw this show together. They've had six fucking weeks to plan this show. And they're just throwing shit together six days before the show. Makes they, no they sense. Makes put no all their, sense. Put all their eggs in that basket. And personally, I don't know if I'm buying it. But I know I'm in the minority because there are some people that are, are very excited about it. I'm just seeing too many holes creatively here. And the whole the mindset behind the five on three just does nothing for me here. No. I, even when it was four on three, you were like, eh, okay, I can see it because the Mrs. is chicken shit. Okay. But now adding Kane to it, too. I don't like it. I don't like it. I think you're just throwing too much shit on the plate and you're you're missing the entree. It's like getting a two-ounce steak. Let's move on to some tasty dishes then. Ooh, well done. Well done. You've been working on your segues too. So the women's division is a mess. I think you and I both agree on that. But we're going to get three women's matches at TLC. No, our boy Jersey Mike is excited about that. Oh, you talk about some pleasure overload. I mean, this is going to be like that guy's best pre-show ever. When Sasha Banks takes on the crazy like a fox, Alicia Fox. I would just tell uh, the local Walmarts up there in Jersey to go stock up on Kleenex. Because Mike might be making a run Sunday afternoon. There was a couple of things I did like about the creative here, though. Um, I did like that they showed the replay from last week, which tells us, why we should care about this match. I did not like that they once again put a microphone in Alicia Fox's hand. I did like Alicia Fox jumping Sasha backstage in a different environment that we hadn't seen before. I did not like Alicia Fox jumping Sasha Banks backstage because Alicia Fox always jumps people backstage. Thoughts on this program? completely agree with you you know it was it's it, kind it was of paint by numbers. That, it's kind of disappointing that they had to throw it all together here so quickly but i'll give them i'll give them an a for effort uh the, i can understand why there's a reason that i should invest in this thing i, I i'm a i'm a foxy fan and i've, I've enjoyed that she's getting some increasing airtime. but they are doing here and you're correct 100 they're doing her zero favors in these extended personal interview segments. Oh, she's just... And I don't even know if it's Alicia Fox. I think it's just in how they're having her deliver the promos. I, I think that's... I'm, I'm leaning more towards the creative here and what they're trying to present her as. And man, it, at some points, these are just cringeworthy. Well, and this goes back to something that was being discussed last night. I saw William put this up in the uh, WrestleZone discussion group yesterday where he was talking about Wade Keller going off about people yelling in their promos. Watch Alicia Fox's promo last night. That's what he's talking about. That's all it is. And then some of, like, when you can tell when she's trying to get overworked up and into her line, some of her mannerisms, too. They just, something that's just offsetting completely. You just tell that it's over-the-top cheesy acting. And hell, all we know, 
maybe that's what they're shooting for. Does it matter to you that this is on the pre-show? Like, do you just give them a pass for this because it's on the pre-show? Like, even they don't care enough about this to put it on the regular card, so I'm not going to worry about it. Well, I, I got two po- I got two. I'm on both sides of the coin here. I think this, what what you've had built here and all this, if you would have had a, maybe a month of some backstory, nothing that was over the top, but it was there, then possibly something there. Well, I mean, Alicia Fox is one of the most longest tenured employees at the WWE. Not just the women's roster, but in general. She's been there for over a decade. But she hasn't been on TV in like two and a half years. You know, it's just, oh, there's Alicia Fox. I bet you she's crazy this week, you know. Is a pre-show match. But on the flip side of that, I I don't know if it can... If it should be it's the only pre-show match. I don't know if it's sustainable to get anyone remotely excited for things that are going to come on that main show. I worked with a kid one time at Guitar Center who was getting yelled at by the boss because he wasn't putting forth the effort that he thought that he should be. And he looks at the boss and he says, you pay me minimum wage, so I give you minimum effort. That's how I feel about pre-show matches. Minimum wage minimum effort be happy you have a story at all or you go out there bust your ass on that pre-show and maybe you're going to start getting a look okay you know maybe we we've overlooked her uh, you know opposed to what we've been focusing on this quote unquote revolution maybe we overlooked her maybe she should be taken serious here with this maybe we do have a spot for her Asuka and Emma is going to be your second women's match. You know, real quick on Fox, I'm all happy to have more of her on television because, oh, yeah, sweet baby Jesus, those legs are amazing. I will give her that. She's got a hell of a pair of legs. Of course, I'm sure that makes us sexist. Hey, she works hard for him. Asuka and Emma? Any, any thoughts on Asuka and Emma? I mean, it's hard... Everybody wants to see Asuka debut. That's the creative behind this. So they just keep running vignettes, which is awesome. I mean, this is how they should bring everybody up to the main roster from NXT, hyping them the way that they have Asuka. But there's not really a whole lot to talk about as far as the creative going into it because Asuka's not there yet. What I'm really taking from it is, you know, sadly, this... This could, this could be, could have been an amazing match and maybe, you know, even a good feud, but it's going to be, it's likely going to be nothing more it's gonna than be a, a squash. squash. Yeah. So all, all your excitement here. It's just for, for Asuka it's, it's, to be there. It's for the debut. Everyone's just interested, just, you know, just to see her debut here. But for me with Asuka, it's coming up in in the next month or so to see how creative handles her because you know, with their track record I mean it's going to be a make or break time for her now we all say, we're all saying this is going to be a squash I mean just about everybody is saying that what if this isn't a squash what if they go out and they go 50-50 does that help Emma more or does it hurt Asuka at this point I I don't think it really helps Emma. I don't think I don't think there's any belief 
true belief in her from the fan base because she's been nothing but just a crybaby joke for so long. Emma's like the original Bailey. I remember what Emma was doing in NXT her first time around when they called her up and stuck her with Santino. And she's just never broke out of that. Nobody takes her seriously. And they should. Emma's fantastic. Well, you know, then she went back down. When she went back to NXT, her and Dana were doing some great work together there. Yep. And who were they working with? Asuka. Go figure. Okay, so maybe maybe you save a little face here where Asuka is, gonna, is kicking the shit out of Emma and Dana comes to her aid. I, I would be down with putting them back together. I I think that I think that they need each other. I especially now that Dana's back at television. They complemented each other so well. I I think that they need one another. They play off each other incredibly well. Now what I also had a little note here. It, it as I was kind of just prepping just moments before the show here. Chances we get kind of, some kind of swerve and they reintroduce Nia post-match. Because I mean, she's been MIA here for a little while. And I know right before we started recording, we've got some rumors that possibly that she maybe is taking that Neville route where she's not too happy with her position in the company. We've also heard that there could be some nagging injuries. Those could also play into it some way there. But if I'm creative, I would have had her off TV those last couple of weeks because of this 50-50 booking crap, and you really had nothing to do for her because you're only focused on your women's title picture and Asuka's debut. So I think out of sight, out of mind, is best to save face for your monster. I would hesitate to compare Nia Jax and Neville in this respect. I mean, just, no, I didn't just in the basic. Oh, no, no, I I understand. for, For whatever reason. But let's face if Nia walks out of the WWE, she's never getting in a wrestling ring again. I mean, there, there's no way she's going on the indie scene and tearing it up and making a return to the company in a couple few years. There's no way that's happening. No, I, I would totally agree with you there. She isn't, you know, she doesn't have the hand to play like that. And especially with her affiliation with the family, quote unquote, the family. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would expect that she is home nursing injuries, not that she walked out. I think everybody's just kind of running with that idea because of the Neville news. I'll go with that, too. I I completely think that that is total bullshit. You know, someone just just shot that out there just to try to get a stir out of the Internet. It's like a Facebook death hoax. Yes. You know, I'd say you know that she was she had some injuries. They realized they really had nothing for her at this time because you know I'm thinking back to when I mean she went out and put put Mickey over for a few. But we're going to be talk you know be talking about here shortly. You know, she, her job was to go out and put Mickey over. She didn't need to be looking weak in that match against Mickey James. Yep, we but we complained about it at the time that Mickey got too much offense. It would be un- it would be unfortunate if Nia Jax is hurt right now because I think the last month of Nia Jax's career in the ring has been her best month since she started. It would be a damn shame to find out that she's hurt. Now I know I've been harsh on her, but I, I hope if, if she is resting up right now that she's taking the time for some character work, maybe watching some film, 
you know, just really working on her game all around. If only she had somebody to call for acting advice. Where? Oh, where? Hey, I, I think it, Roman Reigns, he knows a guy. Speaking of other people who need acting classes, Alexa and Mickey. I hate this program. I think that they've been all that bad. I think they've done pretty well with the crap that they've been given. Well, that's the thing. They've been given crap. We're not ripping on the talent here. This is all on the creative. You know, from in day one, building this up around, you know, the age difference and Mickey being over the hill, it's just been total bullshit. Yeah, I'm not sure I've ever cared less about an Alexa Bliss match. Like, I'd have to probably go back to her fairy character in NXT to find an Alexa Bliss match I've been this uninterested in. But think about, too, how Mickey has been made to look so strong in this build. You know, we just mentioned that she had Nia beat. She's been embarrassing Alexa. And and now last night she's even mentioning winning this for her for three year old son. They're making her look strong as hell here. That she's got every you know everything going for, her, which I think just sets up the perfect storm for Bliss to go full bitch mode and and keep growing that heat that she has. Well, and I think part of the problem with this program is that they've put Mickey over so strong, because it makes Kurt Angle look like a fucking idiot. Think about it. as good as Mickey has been in the last six weeks. Why hasn't she been on TV for the last six months? She should have been the featured babyface in the entire thing. Because look at how goddamn good she is. Look at how strong she is. She's beaten everybody. Then why hasn't she been on TV? Just makes you look like an idiot. No, there's a lot that they do that that doesn't isn't too favorable in Kurt's for Kurt. Speaking of not favorable, 205 Live is going to have two matches on the pay-per-view. I will give them credit. They ran that package last night for the Gallagher, Kendrick, Alexander, Swan program, and it almost made me care. I, I thought that they did a great job there, and it's one thing that WWE does right, and it's their promo packages. And the one that they that they ran last night involving those four gentlemen, it got me interested in it. I feel like I can invest there. I can. I don't know if I will because I'm still not going to watch 205 Live. Do you watch 205 Live? I've been seeing more and more of it over the last month, and I believe that's because WWE has made a solid effort to push the Cruiserweight division on Raw over that time. Is it getting better? Because that show was god-awful when it started. I, I think it's it's slowly but surely catching on, and that's because we're starting to see the characters, and we're, and we're given a reason to start to care about the issues going on with that division. You know, before it was just very generic cookie-cutter stuff where they would just try to just tell us what they were instead of getting any kind of emotion and feeling out of the character and then just hope that their moveset wows you. They're shifting away from that a little bit. This was the only character development that I remember on any of these four talents in months. I mean, the only cruiserweight segments I remember are Neville segments and Enzo segments. 
I'll agree with you there. And now we're now we're starting to see that with more people in the division. We'll see if this catches on. I'm intrigued to see where it goes. I inevitably this is the result of having seven now eight of your top guys in one program. That's why the cruiserweights are getting two matches. That's why the women are getting three matches. Because there's not enough guys to go around. On any other given time, you would end up having, you'd have one cruiserweight match, and then you'd have a six-way women's match. Which brings up another point, because I've seen people talk about this for years. Why doesn't the WWE do more factions? This is why they don't do more factions. They don't have the roster for it. You get seven guys in one program, and the rest of your roster is just depleted. So if you've got three, four stables of three, four guys running around, and you put them against each other, okay, great. Then what? Well, and it also that kind of takes me back to a recent episode of Something to Wrestle, where Bruce Pritchard was talking about, someone was asking about gangs and stables and any no damn it they're factions but you know back in the you know when you had you had like the Baricos, you had the bikers you you had that your african-americans together you had, you had so many people that were you had your dx and all that you had so many factions going on it starts to dictate how you sign and use your talent instead of bringing in the best talent you start looking at role players what can we do with this person he doesn't really fit one of these big groups or something along those lines But it does seem that we are getting a lot of individuals teaming up and siding with each other. And I I don't think that's going to be a long-term thing. I just think they're gearing up for something at at Survivor Survivor Series. Series. Yeah, Survivor Series. And then last night, you know, in the other 205 segment where... Enzo Enzo has friends now. And I think that's just another way that maybe that we saw last week during the Lumberjack match. That they they have to reestablish their lines because between good and evil in that division. The reason I ask if you watch two hundred five live, I feel like I missed something here. Aren't these the same guys that were kicking the shit out of Enzo like last week? Why are they with Enzo now? You can always make a deal because he's talking about being the money maker. He's the player. I just I you felt know, like I they, missed like at least they, a week's worth of television somewhere. When they all when you know after when they're going to exit last night, he might be taking them all out on the town because he's always bragging about that. That's what he does. There's ways that they can explain that there, or he's bringing to light. Hey, you think they're going to give you guys the shots? You guys got an maybe not as brash as, as his, but you guys got some attitude too. You don't always see it the right way that those babies are going to see it. You think they're going to take care of you? No, they want somebody like Kalisto there. You need to have somebody like me leading your division. There's ways that they can, that these guys can come to realize that they need to, to not, not particularly be friends with Enzo, but to maybe show him a little back. We've talked a few times about how we would salvage 205 Live. Last night and over the course of the past week, I noticed something. I wonder if they aren't trying like hell to get Mysterio back. Did you see Kalisto tweeted at Mysterio that he won the cruiserweight title for Ray Mysterio and Eddie, and then Ray responded to the tweet. 
Well, they're, they're continually making mention of Rey Mysterio. I mean, that was the story. Rey responded to a tweet that he was tagged in by Kalisto. And WWE put up a great big picture of Rey Mysterio on their front page saying, Rey Mysterio responds to Kalisto. And then you click on it, and all it is is a tweet congratulating him on winning the Cruiserweight title. I think they're probably getting some feelers out there. The most over-cruiserweight that they have ever had is Rey Mysterio. And if anything could save 205 Live, it's even an old, broken-down Rey Mysterio. He could come in and work WWE-style tomorrow and run circles around these kids. But, I mean, God, Rey's no spring chicken anymore. Good God, he's been in the business forever. Well, I I think at any time he makes that surprise return, you're going to see a pop even grander than what we had for Kane last night because the surprise was so big for the audience. Enzo dropped Mysterio's name last night. I, I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe he was dropping the name of Rey Mysterio on TV. Buzzwords. They're trying to get their boy back, man. Those are all about buzzwords. Today's buzzword is Halloween. Rick, this... Finn Balor, Bray Wyatt thing. I know that you've been on the Wyatt side. You have defended this program until you are blue in the face. Hey, sometimes you gotta eat crow. I mean, dude, this is so bad. Oh, shit. Did the train ever come off the track, especially last night? I had so much hope for something intriguing and unique here. But they, these guys just went, they went full, they went full Aaron Judge in the postseason here with a giant swing and a miss. I just, I don't understand who thinks this is good. I mean, not even necessarily the fans that are behind it. Like, if you're a big Finn Balor fan and you're loving this program, Awesome. Good for you. You're wrong, but awesome. Good for you. If you're a huge Bray Wyatt fan and you're into this whole Sister Abigail thing, awesome. Good for you. Who at the company level looks at this and goes, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And I can't even, because you you have to run through a rehearsal. Someone's got to be looking at each other and being like, this is not good in any way. We we can't we cannot put this product out. Oh. And I, and I was defending it because we weren't we because they were keeping so much secret about what was going to happen here. And I and I was just seeing potential. You know, to me, this you know the angle with Bray here should have been more about diving into the psyche of a deranged maniac cult leader who felt that felt the only way he could deal. With the world is if he created this entity entity to nature and care for him. And it, now they just went, I don't know, this is like something like sci-fi channel crap. You said last week, let's, let's just sit on this and let's try to figure out a way that but we can get both guys out of this program without getting hurt. I, the match is going to happen on Sunday. And both of these guys are hurt going into it. But yet, per live reports, Finn Balor, pop of the night. 
I, I can't even believe he's getting the pop of the night now. Like, I, I just wonder if Vince is hearing these pops. And look at him. He's so small and fuck that. We're going to bury him. How are we going to bury him? Let's put him in a sci-fi program with Bray Wyatt. Nobody will like that. That'll be complete garbage, and we can get I, rid I of this motherfucker. As we, I mean, as we each, as we each prep for our uh, poolside, be the Booker to come out Saturday of this weekend before the actual TLC event. Man, this one is going to be tough. Man, to try to save face and make this this match interesting to pull fans back in to to save both of these talents. It is going to be tough. I would. I, I'm almost leaning towards one of. There are old tactics where you just almost completely change gears and don't mention it and hope that soon enough that the audience begins to forget what the hell you did. Do you think that we're actually going to get a match? Or is this going to be more like the House of Horrors? Where it's all pre-tape. With crazy special effects. Oh man, I, you know I got—I've just been blocking out that House of Horrors match, just out of my mind, just trying with every bit of my being. I could see him going. I could see him going that route. Well, where you have oh, Finn geez. turning into the demon and sis, Sister Abigail floating around, or I don't know what the fuck they're doing, man. But it's not good. You know, and I think they really went overboard. I—I I don't think he really had to change. You didn't really have to change Bray's appearance all that much. I could see some paint, you know, just something to let you know, to symbolize that. But to me, it would have been in his demeanor. He would have just, be, you know, become so much more demonic. All he had to do was talk about Sister Abigail. Have him go crazy after Randy Orton burns down the freaking compound and have him completely lose his mind. And then talk himself back into Sister Abigail once again being a figment of his imagination. This reveal for Sister Abigail is going to be disappointing. The match is going to be disappointing. Pumpkin King Finn Balor is disappointing. I didn't realize demons came in pumpkin spice. I, I just couldn't believe I thought there was something wrong with my television when I saw it. I started, I started just playing with the, with the color ratio. I mean, what the fuck? You know, it just when this really started heating up, I just, I just felt, you know, we were going to get some of those things from like the Psycho movies, or and then just in their footage, like Blair, Blair Witch meets Devil's Rejects, or something along those lines. And, and now I don't even know what the hell we're getting. It's October. Paint him up like a goddamn pumpkin. I mean, do you transition now into like a program in November with the gobbledygooker? Well, boy, that's a good one, man. On on Team Balor, you could get the gobbledygooker. You could get the boogeyman. We could, I'm sure we could get him back. Yeah, get boogeyman back, Papa Shango. Papa Shango? Yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame. He'll come in and do that. Yeah. Yeah, we might be on to something here. We might we be on to something going. here. Oh, that... That could be a fun program going forward. I would love to see Papa Shango versus Finn Balor. I would love to see that program. 
is there anything else from Raw that was worth talking about? I mean, it was cool. I, I, I like that they're really doing something with the format of the show. They're actually writing a show instead of 16 segments. But it was so S.H.I.E.L.D. heavy that after you stop talking about the S.H.I.E.L.D., there's not a whole lot else to talk about off of this show. I guess real quick with the Raw, because you know, it was immediately a hot topic after you know, we saw Kane return. Do you think this will be an extended stay or just kind of to drum up some publicity before? Because, you know, he's got a, a deadline. I don't know. Here what, November 7th. I don't know what Glenn Jacobs as a human being is thinking. And I'm, I'm trying not to think about it because th- this can't be good for his campaign. I understand that he's embraced his wrestling roots and he's playing off the the Kane character in his campaign. But man, you're a month out from an election and you're going to go do this. I I expect this is going to be a one-off. I'm sincerely hoping that Kane is around for at least a month because I have another program that I'm going to move Kane into, and that is your tease for Saturday. What do you think? Is he going to be around? I couldn't find any polls. I looked like hell to try to find polls to see if maybe his numbers are just way down, and he's like, okay, fuck this. I, I found, I could I could find almost everything except, except exactly what the polls, where they're at right now. Yeah, that's the same issue I was having. It didn't look like there was too many candidates still in the running here. Um, he's embraced, as you said, he's embraced that wrestling aspect of, of his past. You know, he's had some of his friends come down there, Ric Flair, Jerry Law. They've all come down to help out campaign for him. That's why I thought maybe this was a last-minute publicity stunt on his behalf. Also, it just kind of occurred to me, maybe this is part of a deal that he's been getting some funds sent his way for his campaign. Oh, that could be. On behalf of the McMahons. Is he, which side of the aisle does Kane fall on? I haven't he, paid much attention. I believe he's a libertarian. Okay. Hmm. Well, um, I could I, I could see that. There was his ties. Yeah. Let me see if pull up something here. Well, and then, you know, going down there, I mean, we're talking about, I don't know how much they're really going to hate on the wrestling. We are talking about Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, and, if there was ever... A state that's gonna go for that it's tennessee and, the, and that's not a dig on tennessee and the mayor that is leaving because they have term limits down there he's had a pretty scandalous run in office there's been a quite a few questionable moves that he's made don't think you're gonna get a real controversial uh glenn jacobs well and what i think as you read about the controversy that has surrounded the the current mayor there I get the feeling that in that area, the people just aren't as offended by what he has done. You know, it's it's not really that big of a PC culture. Most of the Midwest and that upper South just isn't. But it's, you know, it's no surprise. You know, it's people that lean more towards the right than the left. Yeah, I mean, really... Your, your your left base is the two coasts. 
but they're the ones that carry the left. When you get into the middle of the country, it's way more conservative than the people on the coast would like to think, which is why the polls were so wrong on the presidential election. Oh, here we go. Uh, Kane said he was seriously considering running as a Republican for the Knox for the Knox County mayoral seat in 2018. Okay, okay. Well, then he definitely aligns with uh, Linda's politics. So yeah, I could see the WWE throwing some coin Kane's way there. And I want to say I, I I don't have the number in front of me exactly right now, but I mean it was well over 50 percent of the of, you know his voting area down there is republican interesting then i looked into some other things the uh, the, the salary is $174,000 a year and there are there are some provisions but not many that would keep him from maintaining professional ties with other outlets so he would be fine with WWE as along with his real estate ventures that he's involved in if you're the guy running against Glenn Jacobs and you see what you saw last night, do you try to spin it to your advantage or do you just say, I'm not fucking with this guy? I'm sure that he'll get some, you know, something there, but he's going to turn it around too. You know, that's, that's what I do. I'm a performer. And he I'm is not the, sure I'd go out talking about uh, Kane too heavily after seeing him last night because he still looks like he's in pretty damn good shape for a guy who hasn't been on the road for a while. Oh, I think he looked absolutely incredible last night. Did it at any point last night during Kane's return occur to you, isn't Kane supposed to be on SmackDown? He's a SmackDown superstar. Did we just forget he does what about he wants. that? I don't know, maybe his contract expired. See, these are the things that just, when you establish a narrative and then you go outside of the narrative, you open yourself up to questions like this. That they're just like, uh, well, it's wrestling. No, fuck you. Do your detail work. Well, they can always explain it later because he is currently listed as a Raw superstar. I got nothing else coming out of Raw other than something fun I made up last night. Since we now have Pumpkin Spice Finn Balor, I thought maybe I would put my own spin on his entrance music. Make it a little bit more... Festive. Festive. For the season. So enjoy... Finn Balor's new entrance music for Sunday. We'll be back with segment two right around the corner. Boys and girls of every age, would you like to see something strange? This is This is how, this is how, I'm 
this town we call home. Everyone held to a pumpkin song. In this town, don't we love it now? Everybody's waiting for the next We're back for segment two. Or at least that's what I typically would say. Unfortunately, we seem to be having some Skype issues. Skype seems to be out for Rick and I currently. We uh, can't talk to each other. So I'm just sitting here recording by myself. That doesn't seem real appealing. So we're going to save segment two for the Thursday show. Hope you enjoyed our breakdown of Raw. As always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at backslash hitting the marks. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, how do the stalkers find you? Oh, that's right. Rick's not here. And I'm not going to plug his shit. So you'll have to come back on Thursday so you can stalk Rick. I guess for now, we're off like a prom dress. Skype sucks. See ya. Watch your fingers. Label me. I don't give up. Violate!